It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome into the Virtual Bible Study. We're glad you're a part of it. It is Thursday evening, November 20th, 2008, and we're live on your computer tonight. We hope you will join in on the discussion by calling 877-381-4567. That's a toll-free Telephone number for you to use, 877-381-4567, or send your emails to questions at collegeview.com. Joined by my father, Greg Gwynn, tonight. Hello, Dad. Welcome to the program. Jacob, thanks. It's good to be with you on the Virtual Bible Study. Welcome back. You were going last week. Good to have you here again. It is good to be back. We had an exciting trip. Yeah, we heard about some of that excitement. Glad you got back safely. Yeah. Uh, we look forward to our Thursday night Bible study on the Internet. We're glad for all of you who are listening and who make it a regular uh, appointment to join us on Thursday evenings. We think it's a worthwhile time, and we hope that you do too. We hope you'll tell others about it, spread the news by word of mouth, tell others about the virtual Bible study. Uh, it's certainly something good to do with your computer. Jake, we've got a commercial spot where we say, use your computer for something good, and we think this is. There's a lot of bad things you can do with a computer, and unfortunately people are, but this is something good. So turn off the TV, gather the family around, and uh, set in for a period of Bible study every Thursday night. And tell others to come and join you. It is a inter- interactive program in which we all benefit from the participation of everyone that's listening. And so we look forward to hearing from you on the program tonight as we talk about an interesting subject, Dad. And we borrowed the idea from a friend of ours, Terry Francis, over in Memphis. We asked him, He asked the question, if you were the devil, what would you want to do to destroy the church? And that is an interesting topic because we know the devil does want to destroy the church and so we're sort of trying to get into his mindset and think about ways he might attack the church and by knowing how he works then we'll be more prepared to be on guard against his attacks you know it's always good to know your opponent to know how he works and to know what his plans and methodologies are you know athletic teams do that all the time uh, you know, they scout their opponents, they get film, they watch, they see how they do that so that they can set their defense so that the opponent can't be successful. Political uh, candidates do that. They study their opponent to, so that they know what their next move will be. In any in anything in which you're opposed by someone else, it's good to know what your opponent is up to. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verse 11 The Apostle Paul spoke about Satan, and he says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So we know something about Satan. We know how he works. We know some of his methodologies, and we should not let him, knowing that, we should be careful not to let him get an advantage over us. So that's the idea of our study tonight, is to try and uh, analyze how Satan works against the Lord and his church to try to bring the work of the church to a standstill, to try to negate it, to cause trouble, uh, to throw a roadblock up, to keep us from succeeding in doing the work that God wants us to be doing as Christians in local churches. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says the devil is a roaring lion. And if there was a literal roaring lion walking up and down the aisles of the, of the, of the assembly, 
on Sunday morning. We have our eyes on him, and we want to know what the Roaring Lion is doing at all times. Uh, and he's he's not literally doing that, but he is uh, he is spiritually doing that, walking up and down the aisles, looking how he can destroy the church. Exactly right. You know, as you mentioned, we kind of got this idea off the ground uh, with a suggestion uh, from our buddy Terry Francis in Memphis. Uh, but I think actually Terry may have borrowed it because a, a number of years ago, Paul Harvey had a, a, a thing that he did on the radio and it's been published and republished again and again in which he said, if I were the devil, and then he talked about some of the things that he would do. It's a kind of a long article and I'm not going to take time to read it all, but I quickly found it on the internet this, today. Uh, it's out there and you can look it up, do a search for if I were the devil and Paul Harvey, and I think it'll pop right up for you. But Here's some of the things that he mentioned. This, this is, and we're going to we're going to build on what some of our listeners have already suggested. We want your input. By the way, that is our study question for tonight. And if you've not responded already, we ask you to give the top five things that you would do if you were the devil to uh, to inhibit the church, or how do we put it? If you were the devil, what top five things would you do to destroy the church? And so we want your feedback, and if you've got some ideas, by all means, you don't have to give us five. Just give us, if you just got one good idea that you want us to talk about, send it to us by email, questions at collegeview.com, or give us a phone call, 1-877-381-4567. Paul Harvey, let me just mention a couple things, Jacob, that Paul Harvey said. He said, if I were the devil, I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the youth, I would whisper, the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man made God instead of the other way around. I'd, I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. Uh, later that would be on. an old terminology for not being cool. Not cool. Yeah, that's, that's, that you can tell that's an old article. Okay. And then later he says, if I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, nations at war with themselves until each in turn was consumed and so forth and so on. So Paul Harvey had some thoughts about the devil and how the devil could succeed in destroying the church and really accomplishing his priorities. That's that's the devil's priority. That's what he's about. That's what he wants to do. And you can say lots of things about the devil, Jacob, but one thing that that you have to say is concerning his priorities, he's hard at work. Concerning what he wants to do, he's 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 tireless in his effort. He's he's uh, he never gives up. Uh, he's very consistent. He's always doing those things. And he's successful. Unfortunately, he successful. He doesn't do this to, in vain. He is successful at tearing churches apart, at uh, condemning souls to hell. The devil is a very formidable adversary, and he is successful. Along those lines, we've got a call before the program from uh, one of our listeners, Roger here in Columbia, and he said that the devil has been successful, and if he was the devil, he'd want to do the same thing, but partly because it's, it's successful now, and that is uh, getting people to think that everyone's okay where they are. The status quo is okay, and I'm okay, you're okay, and there's no reason for any of us to grow. The devil's convinced a lot of people that that is the case. So Roger's suggestion is a, is a really uh, accurate one. This is This is a main tool that Satan uses is that really everybody's okay. The majority is certainly safe. God uh, is going to take most people to heaven. There might be a few very, very bad people who who will go to hell, but by and large, almost everybody's going to heaven. I'm okay, you're okay, and you don't have to change anything about yourself. 
you can see why that would be a successful ideology, Jacob. You know, people don't want to change and they don't want to do anything that's hard and they don't want to give up anything, certainly make no sacrifice. Uh, and so Satan has been very successful in convincing people, stay like you are, don't make any changes, you're okay. And really everybody's okay. Certainly. Uh, but the Bible obviously teaches that that's not so. And Jesus himself, in a passage that we often make reference to, uh, Jesus plainly taught that that's not the case in Matthew 7, verse 13. He said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. That's Jesus talking. And Jesus said, The majority will go the broad way that leads to destruction. Only a minority, the few, will find the straight and narrow way that leads to life eternal. And that, that being the case, that defines our job. That really tells us what we got to be doing. We got to be seeking that straight and narrow way. We cannot fall victim to Satan's popular notion: "I'm okay, you're okay, you can stay just like you are." Well, and it also those who are on the straight and narrow path are on a path, and that means that you are traveling down that path, and we have not arrived yet. We can't just sit down in the middle of the path. We've got to keep walking and working on that path, as Paul did in Philippians chapter three, verses thirteen, beginning. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul was not content where he was, and Satan has convinced some Christians to be content where they are and not continue to grow and become more and more what God would have them to be. Exactly right. So Roger has started us on this uh, discussion. Uh, good good thoughts, Roger. We appreciate your input. Thank you, uh, Roger. Um, if uh, we had asked people to send us five ideas. Uh, if you haven't responded yet, you don't don't feel obligated to give us five ideas. Give us whatever ideas you have. If you were the devil, if you've just got one idea that you want to pursue, send us an email, questions at collegeview.com, or give us a phone call. That's the fastest way to get your ideas out there. Typically, our phone line is open, and you can get right in. We give phone – Jacob, we give phone calls top priority. And the devil works fast, so if you were the devil, you'd want to get your idea in fast. So exactly. give us a call, 877. If you, if you, the devil uses the most effective He means. uses modern media. Well, but, but he also uses what's most effective to get but, his job okay. done, right? All right, yeah. Uh, that's one thing about Satan that you have to acknowledge is that he's no, no dummy. And he's not going to waste time doing things that, that are ineffective. He's not going to wait. In other words, when he attacks us personally, he attacks us at our weakest point, not our strongest point. Okay. When he attacks churches, he attacks them at their weakest point, not their strongest point, because he's smart enough to know that's what will be most successful, and that's what he does. So in this instance, what's most successful, if you want to get your thoughts on the virtual The shortest stuff, line. The shortest line is the telephone line, so give us a call. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, and Phil in Newcastle, Indiana, has sent in his ideas of what he would do if he was the devil. All right. Uh, I think Phil's got some great ideas. Uh, he says, number one, if I were the devil and wanted to destroy the church, I'd promote respectable worldliness. I'd get hearts leaning to the influence of the world rather than God. I'm intrigued by Phil's use of the phrase respectable worldliness, Jacob. Well, yeah, that's true. He, he, if you were Satan, you wouldn't want to paint sin as being black and dark. You'd want it to be sort of funny, uh, in, intriguing, pleasurable. And, and, and again, Satan would know which, which kinds of things to promote in the church. He knows, you know, for instance, 
drug addiction or prostitution or, or in, in not in all circles, unfortunately, but in many circles, especially in religious circles, those things are still considered to be sort of heinous crimes, heinous sins. And he wouldn't he's not going to try to promote that, at least not. That's not going to be his first thing. He's going to try to promote things that are more respectable. Social drinking, you know, social drinking is, you know, the the, the elite, the upper crust, the the the, the world's, uh, you know, wise and uh, the, the worldly wise and the and the affluent people of the world, uh, they drink, and it's, it's, that's not a bad thing. Social drinking now, drunkenness maybe, but not social drinking. You know, would be. I think a, a form of respectful wor- of worldliness, and I think that's the kind of thing that Phil is suggesting there. The devil would promote that sort of thing. All right, and uh, the devil wouldn't come in and tell Christians that they need to wear swimming suits, maybe, but they might tell he might tell Christians that they ought to wear a, a skirt that's a little too short or a top that's a little too low. Yeah, uh, just a little bit, not all the way. Not, not the extremes, not the extremes right. that you see in some places in the world, or, or but you know. Get them leaning that way. He said, I'd get hearts leaning to the influence of the world. All it's got to do is lean, and it's well, he's got Well, I think Phil really hit one there, Jake. Okay. Go ahead. All right. He says he would convince Christians that a cluttered life is unavoidable, maybe even a badge of honor. It leaves them less time for profitable Bibles, reading, and meditation. Their faith weakens. They hardly notice it, and if so, I th- they think it cannot be changed. I think that's an excellent point as well. In the modern world that we live in, we have a lot of distractions, and Satan is happy for us to have those distractions. It reminds me of a passage in Second Timothy chapter two, verse four, where it talks about uh, us being good soldiers of Christ. In verse three, therefore endure hold, uh, hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Dad, we're in a battle for our spiritual life. It is a spiritual battle of life and death, and if we were like a physical soldier, we would be very careful about allowing anything that would distract us from our primary mission, from allowing that to be in our lives, we'd be very careful. But we have cluttered lives. We have all kinds of distractions in such a way that we have very little time to read and study our Bible and even less time to talk about it with others. Exactly right. So the the idea of making us so busy that we don't have time to do what needs to be done would be a, a, a very effective tool because, you know, pe- people say, well, I got to work, you know, I got to work. And, and it's a good thing. I'm not out here. I'm not out here, you know, cheating on my wife. I'm not out here uh, robbing banks. I'm not I'm out providing here. for my family. How much more noble could yeah. that be? So the idea of convinced Christians that a cluttered life is unavoidable. Very good thought. Well, even not necessarily you talk about work, Dad, but not it doesn't stop there. Uh, we have so much, so many pleasures that we enjoy, and so many hobbies and uh, and other interests. That again, we may not be working all the time, but we're doing something all the time, and uh, we can fill up our day very easily with things that aren't sinful by them in and of themselves. There's nothing wrong with a hobby. There's nothing wrong with activities, but we fill our lives up with those, and we leave no room for things that are more important, and we have no room uh, for God. Well, you know, when Jesus taught the parable of the sower. Uh, he one of the kinds of grounds that did not bring forth fruit uh, was the one that uh, he says in Matthew 13, verse 20, he that received the seed among thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. And I think that'd be the idea of having a life so cluttered with things, work, pursuit of, of material things, the cares of this world, uh, 
Choke out the word. Not sinful things again, but we've right. got to prioritize. And God comes first. If we can slip a hobby or two in the side, we will. But we want to make sure that our focus is on serving God because if we're not focused on that, then the devil has a leg up on us and will be successful in getting us to fail. I see we're almost, uh, well, we're really past time for a break. Real quickly, let's cover uh, Phil's other points here. He says, encourage public teaching and preaching that doesn't rock the boat, perpetuate the erosion of faith, and let the dying people die in their sleep. Uh, that reminds me of what Paul said to Timothy, Jacob, Second Timothy chapter 4. He says, preach the verse 2, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned to fables. Paul predicted that that would happen. And, and, and it is the work of Satan when people turn away from the truth to listen to teachers who itch their ears. All right. He also says that he would introduce contention, strife, and division. Weak people will give up, uh, think that they are justified in doing so, and thus never be inclined to try again. Strife and division is detrimental to the church. Paul mentioned that in 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning of verse 16. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase into more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. There was contention there, Dad, and strife. And the faith of those weak Christians, those young Christians, was overthrown because of that strife. And it happens today as well. Jesus prayed in John 17, verse 20, Neither pray I for these alone, his apostles, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Jesus said the unity of his believers was fundamental to convincing the world of uh, and and so the opposite would also be true. Division among his followers would be a detriment to the cause. So Phil would make introduce strife and division. And, and if I were the devil and I wanted to introduce strife and division, I would convince people that their judgments, their opinions, and their preferences were of utmost priority. And they ought to be fighting tooth and nail for their judgments and preferences and their petty little uh, uh, think-sos. And then finally, Phil says, sweep the whole mess away with persecution. He says, I wouldn't have to break a sweat. If he persecuted Christians, he could get them to quit. Many will, and and many have. But the the upside of that is that there are many who endured persecution too. And really, Christianity spread. Acts chapter 8, the first verses of Acts chapter 8, when persecution grew strong in Jerusalem, those who believed went everywhere. As they were scattered from Jerusalem, it says they went everywhere preaching the word. So persecution... It does stop some, but it doesn't stop all. And even in the face of persecution, Christianity has endured. So Satan has tried that. That, I think, has backfired on him somewhat, but he certainly has tried it. All right. Thank you, Phil, for those comments. And we look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in the study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to us 
us in His Word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we'll hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. Hi, my name is Bob Tidwell, and I want to remind you that the Virtual Bible Study provides a great opportunity to use your computer for something good. So turn off the TV and guide your family around the computer each Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study. Use your Internet connection for something good. Listen to the Virtual Bible Study every week. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study. We're glad you're a part of it tonight. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com as we talk about... The devil, and if we are trying to imagine what we would do if we were the devil to destroy the church, the devil does want to destroy the church, and he is actively pursuing it. And if we can get into his head, so to speak, and figure out what we would do if we were in his shoes, we may be able to prepare ourselves for the attacks that he will present to the church. We're asking you to let us know what you would do if you were the devil. Give us a call or send us an email. We're looking forward to hearing from you. I think we're getting a phone call, Jacob. We better go to right. We promised we would go quickly to phone calls, so we better do phone, And we're going to welcome Danny in Greenville, Mississippi. Welcome to the Virtual Bible Study, Danny. Uh, thank you. Thanks for calling. Now, if I was the devil, I would admit that the Bible was true, but but that people have plenty of time. Okay, so you wouldn't you wouldn't do a frontal assault. You would just try a delay tactic. Yeah. Okay. I think you're exactly right, Danny. That and and that's working, isn't it? We oh, that's working. we all know people who would be willing to admit. I know I believe the Bible, and I know the Bible teaches that I'm wrong, and that I, if I died right now, I'd go to hell. And I plan to do something about that, but just not right now. Yeah, that happens all the time. I, that's one of the saddest things. I, I know that you, you're, you're preaching down there in Mississippi, Danny. I know you've run into that many times, and, and I have too. And that's really a, a sad thing to see people who know they're wrong and know they need to make corrections and don't do it. And one of these days I'll do it. Uh, yeah, they, they intend to. But how many funerals have you gone to of people who intended to and never got around to it? A lot of them. That's exactly right. Well, Danny, thanks for your phone call. Any other ideas? No, that, that, that's all I can think of right now. Oh, well, thanks for your call. Very good thoughts. I appreciate it. Good talking to you, Danny. Uh, you too. Bye-bye. Thank you, Danny. All right. 877-381-4567 is the number to call. It's open now. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Or you can send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Thank you again, Danny, for your good comments tonight. We got an email from our buddy Jeff in Warrior, Alabama, Jacob. And he says, if I were the devil, number one, I'd send forth many false teachers in the church, just like I sent out false prophets among God's people in the Old Testament. Because Peter said, many shall follow their pernicious or destructive ways, Second Peter 2, verses 1 and 2. And uh, that's interesting. That's an interesting way to put it. We know what he has done historically. All through the Old Testament period of time, he sent out false teachers, false prophets, to deceive the people, to tell them, basically, to tell them what they wanted to hear uh, and, and to lead them astray. And he was very successful with the children of Israel in Old Testament times, getting them to listen to false prophets. He knows that's a, a workable plan. And so he's he's when something works, you keep using it. You don't change it until it stops working. It hasn't stopped working yet, so he's going to send false teachers among God's people today. And people will believe it. People will believe it. Exactly right. And the only defense against the false teacher is the Bible and comparing what he says to the Bible. And if it's not in there, we know that he's a false teacher. We know who he's working for. 
and we need to be careful and on guard against those. Go ahead. All right. We appreciate that comment. Andy and Jeff also says, I'd try to distract the members of the church with cares and riches and pleasures of this life because Jesus said this would cause many to bring no fruit to perfection. He references Luke chapter 8, verse 14, in a point that we covered previously. We do appreciate that, and that certainly is something that the devil would use, and the devil is using it in 2008 in the United States of America. He's using the cares and riches and pleasures of this life to his benefit, and we need to be on guard against that. He says, I'd turn the brethren from God by the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, because John said such was not of the Father but is of the world. He references 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. Okay. Uh, obviously, the things of the world, whatever is of the world, is not of the Father. So if he can get our hearts uh, affected or turned toward the things of the world, we're going to be turned away from God. Good point. Number four, he says, I'd cause as much division in the kingdom and the house of God as possible because Jesus said every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every house or city divided against itself shall not stand. Matthew chapter 12, verse 25. Um, That's an interesting text there in Matthew chapter 12. The, The people were accusing Jesus of casting out demons by the power of Satan himself. And Jesus basically said that's the most crazy idea that anybody could come up with. Satan wouldn't cast out demons. That would be his own house divided against itself, and a house divided against itself cannot stand. He said that doesn't even make any sense for you to be accusing me of that. But in saying that, he stated a principle that is true. A house divided will not stand. And so if Satan can provoke division, and he's been very successful at that, Among those who call themselves Christians, he's been very successful at provoking all kinds of divisions, and that's a key tool, and he knows that he can keep the the progress of the gospel hindered uh, in doing that. All right, and finally, Jeff says, I'd attempt to encourage the spirit of compromise in the church or, quote, friendship with the world, end quote, because James said, whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God, James chapter 4, verse 4. Okay, we're getting several emails. We're still looking for your... Thank you, Jeff, for those good suggestions. We appreciate that. We're getting several emails. We want yours. You don't have to send us five ideas. Send us any idea you have that you think the devil might like to employ or or really uh, something that he is doing that's trying to hinder the cause of Christ in the world today. We know he's doing lots of things, and we've had several good suggestions already, Jacob. Quickly, Anthony in Columbia echoes what Jeff has said, and he referenced, uh, Anthony comes up with two things he would do if he was the devil. Number one, distract people from seeking God. I think the most powerful weapon the devil has against the church as a whole is to turn people's attention away from God and onto worldly things. We know that when things in a society, nation, culture get rough, People begin to seek out God. When things are going well or when a nation is prosperous and wealthy, people are far less likely to be interested in religious things. Historians refer to two or more, quote-unquote, great awakenings in America, where which were periods of highlighted religious zeal between periods of religious apathy. As we see the morality of our nation in a downward spiral, it seems clear to me that the devil has succeeded in distracting people from God. In this climate, it is very difficult to get people to listen to religious teaching. This was not always the case. In the 70s, I believe, the church was known to have gone through significant growth. People were receptive. That is not the case now. It is indeed a very sad thing. The devil has succeeded in turning public opinion against religious people. They are looked upon as uneducated and backwards. Hopefully God will defeat the devil in this. Perhaps our nation is on the verge of judgment and after this another great awakening. 
Well, what he says there is definitely true, and that's the idea that uh, in prosperity, people forget about God. Uh, and I was trying to look up the passage, and I'm not finding it off the top of my head, Jacob. Moses warned the children of Israel that they would, when they went into the promised land and when they were enjoying the prosperity that they would have there, they would forget that he had brought them to that. And, and uh, are, you, are you finding it? I'm close. Go ahead. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll find it here. It uh, is in Deuteronomy, and that's not that's the wrong thing to search for there. But Yeah, yeah, yeah I was you, looking at Deuteronomy 10. I'm not finding it. Maybe yeah. one of our listeners can call in or, or send us an email. But, but uh, Moses knew. God advised him by inspiration, and he warned the people to be careful about times of prosperity uh, and, and causing them to forsake the Lord. And we are living in a time of incredible prosperity, and Satan is using it as a means to get people distracted and keep them from following the Lord. The passage you were looking for, I believe, is in Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning verse, uh, verse 10. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he swore unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give the, to thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all, of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, and thou shalt serve him, and thou shalt uh, swear by his name. All so right. the, the 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 idea was you got you're so full and you're so fat that you don't have any desire to to remember God. Yeah, you got everything you want. You don't feel like you need anything else. We got a lot of people in the world who feel like they are not in need of anything, and so Satan's got them right where he wants them. Yeah, but, they, they look at they look at things around them. They're a nice house. They're nice cars, um, and they think, well, there can't be anything wrong in my life. Look at all the things I enjoy. Exactly right. There's nothing, no need for me to change. Anthony has another thing quickly before we take our break and get our bullet point for the week. He says that he was a devil. He caused division. We must be careful that we are not creating division where there ought not be division, drawing lines on issues that should be left alone. We must strive for unity, not compromise, of course. And so he says, if you're going to make an issue out of it, make sure it's something that needs to be made an issue out of. And that's been a successful point for Satan, too. Blurring that line, the things that must be resisted and the other things that that we should be able to tolerate uh, you know and that's a challenge to us all as christians you know, obviously there are some things as anthony says we cannot compromise on there's other things that we should not draw lines of fellowship on that but it, it challenges us all and I, that's not really the point of our study tonight but it's a challenging thing to us all to know which ones are the issues we must stand uh and resist uh, those who are teaching otherwise and, and what things are matters of opinion and judgment that we ought to be able to, to tolerate one another and, and have a, a you know, you said it peaceful there. relationship. Judgment and opinion. Yeah. And if it's my judgment and it's my opinion, that's all the far that needs to go is with me. Yeah. I don't need to be making an issue out of it. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a break and get our bullet point for the week, and then we'll come back and hopefully get your comments. The phone line is open, and we're ready to hear from you at 877 Send your emails to questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Greg Gwen with this week's bullet point. It's not uncommon to hear folks say something like this. I don't drink alcohol, but I'm not sure you can say that it's absolutely wrong to do so. Or it might be something like, I don't dance, but I don't really think you can say it's wrong to do so. The list goes on. It can include things like modest dress. Someone would say, I don't wear shorts, I don't go to the mixed swimming pools, but I'm not sure that you can say it's wrong. Or maybe someone even says, 
I try to attend all the services of the church, but I'm not sure you can say it's wrong to miss once in a while. Or another person would say, I don't smoke, but I'm not sure you can absolutely say that using tobacco is always wrong. The really sad thing is that these statements often come from Christians who ought to know better. What these people need to realize is that their expressions represent a sinful compromise of God's truth. The Apostle John wrote, Whosoever goeth onward and abideth not in the teachings of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the teaching, the same hath both the Father and the Son. 2 John verse 9. While they may not actually engage in the sinful practice, these folks are saying things that amount to an endorsement, a going onward that is clearly condemned as sinful. Furthermore, when their doubting words give an uncertain sound, they are in effect encouraging those who are actually committing the sins. In the text previously cited, John goes on to say, If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God speed, for he that biddeth him God speed is partaker of his evil deeds. 2 John verses 10 and 11. This is is a serious matter that should be carefully considered. For those who aren't certain that drinking, dancing, immodest dress, smoking, and so forth are wrong, we make this simple request. Study. Become certain. Definitely don't teach your doubts to others. To do so would itself be a sinful thing to do, according to Romans 14, verse 23. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Cole, and I'm eight years old. My name is Thomas, and I'm seven years old. And our families love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. Welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. We are looking forward to hearing from you. We have plenty of time to go, plenty of time to take your comments. 877-381-4567. That's toll-free. We pay the bills. You just need to pick up the phone and call us or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. We're talking about the devil and what he would do, what you would do if you were the devil to destroy the church. And what we're trying to do is figure out the devil's tactics because he is, as a roaring lion, seeking who he can devour. He wants the church to be unsuccessful in changing the world. He wants the church to be uh, incapacitated. And he has been successful on a lot of fronts in uh, in damaging and uh, hindering the influence of the church. Well, you know, we often point out, Jacob, that true Christians are in Satan's you know uh, target sites. We're the ones he's he's really working on because he's got the rest of the world. You know, those who are not true Christians, he's got them where he wants them. He doesn't have to invest any time or energy there as long as as long as they just stay put. And once you get once you get the church on the road on his road, once you get them going down that road, they typically stay on the road. Yeah. So all he's got to do is get you started, and then you'll take care of the rest. So so all who are really trying to faithfully serve the Lord are the ones that Satan is working the hardest on. That should be a scary thought to us that he's working that we are his prime subjects or prime targets. And so we got to really be thinking uh, and always aware of the dangers of his efforts. And so I, I, we're getting a lot of good feedback. We still got, as you said, Jacob, time to get more. Yeah, if you've got emails. an idea that you'd like to talk to us about yeah. on the phone, you can call yeah. with just one idea. Yeah, give us a phone one call. Question like Danny we'd did. like to hear from you. Danny in Greenville, Mississippi, called us a little while ago. Call us and give us a call. Let us know what you think. I, we got an email from our buddy Jim in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee, who says this. Uh, number one, number one thing I'd do if I was Satan. Uh, he says, I would question whether God's word is true. Discuss how that the evidence for God's word is really based on the uh, the belief of biased ancient Jews. Show how the majority of the world does not believe the Bible and, and that in actuality it is the Bible that is the cause of the world's, most of the world's problems today. 
So you got to attack the the Bible. You know, that's key. That would be key. I think Jim's got a good point there. If you can destroy uh, confidence in the inspired word of God, you've ruined everything. Because that's the power of God and salvation. Exactly right. So start chipping away at people's confidence in the Bible. You know, like he says, you know, the Bible was written by a bunch of old people who were biased, superstitious, and un, un, you know, unintelligent. They were un, unlearned. They were just really simpletons. Why should we in the 20th century, 21st century, be living by rules that were set up by people who lived that long ago? That's, that's just the Bible's out of date. And, and, and really, as he says, and, you know, you hear this in the media, People following the Bible are the ones who are causing all the trouble in the world. If we could do away with the Bible, we could stop all this warring and carrying on that takes place in the world. He's using that. I'm, I'm telling you what. He's using that technique, Jacob. Go ahead. All right. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I'd, uh, he says, I'd use a point of doctrine to split the church, such as how we may use the Lord's treasury. That way you can get people studying about doctrine but not really seeing what it says, only what points my side can defend. And when the split happens, we can blame people for being unchristlike in their attitudes and blame them for the split and not the lack of understanding of any simple Bible doctrine. So what he was saying is he would get people uh, on the wrong side of a Bible doctrine and then trying to study how they could defend it, not studying what the Bible teaches, and then you could cause a lot of problems. Yeah, if you, basically, I think what Jim is saying is that if you can get people's pride up, this is my position, and I'm going to defend it. Uh, you know, because I'm too proud to admit that I was wrong on a point, and therefore, if you can get people get people in their pride to defend the position that they've taken without really seriously investigating what what might be the truth in contradiction to what they've been teaching, and that happens a lot. Uh, I think it's another good point. He says, uh, number three, question any qualification for roles of leadership, because if we cannot agree on what the qualifications are, then we'll never have any leadership. Uh, and unfortunately. I've known of churches where that's been the case. They couldn't agree on what the qualifications were and certainly couldn't agree about any men who might meet those qualifications. And, uh, and, and that does hinder local churches when they don't have the kind of leadership in them that God ordained that churches should have. God's plan works best, but if Satan could keep local churches from implementing God's plan for leadership in the local congregation, then he can hold them back. And he's done that. And we've known of churches like that to just, uh, never have had elders and probably never will because people just won't uh, come to terms with the qualifications and, and won't admit that any men ever meet those qualifications. And Jim says he would get men to elevate other men above what they deserve. Then if these men who are elevated begin to teach falsely, they will easily lead others astray. And we've seen that happen in the religious world quite often where a preacher is elevated as being someone special who has uh, – the right to tell us something different than what the Bible teaches, and we'll follow that. But, you know, even on a, a, at a level closer to home, if, if we elevate a certain preacher in our estimation uh, or, or maybe a certain institution of higher learning to a certain position and the, and the faculty and teachers who teach at such institutions, you know, the Christian colleges have been a hotbed for a lot of doctrinal error, a, a place where it started and spread. Because, after all, these are college professors. They must be right. And and some preacher preaching it out out in the country, uh, just with the common folks, he's he doesn't have the he doesn't have the prestige or the influence. What does he know? What does he know? I, I these college 
faculty members. These college professors told me this was the way it is, and that must be so. That's what college-educated people think. Yeah, and so you get people putting their confidence in men rather than in the Word of God. I think it's mm-hmm. another good point from Jim. And finally, he says, question whether the church is keeping up with the times. If I can show that the church is old-fashioned, then it can be ignored. Also, I can get those younger to begin to think about what they can do to get the church going again and ensure that they won't look through the Bible to find the answers. So you sort of relegate the churches to being irrelevant and out of date. Exactly right. So a lot of good points from Jim. Thanks, Jim. By the way, Jacob, uh, Jim's going to be on our program next week, Lord willing. So uh, No emails from Jim next week. No emails from Jim. Hopefully we'll have Jim in person next week to help us out with the program. On, on the Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving edition. Special Thanksgiving edition of the That's Virtual right. We're not taking the show to Florida this year. You're gonna, It's going to stay in Tennessee this year. Exactly right. So, by the way, for all of you uh, who might wonder, on Thanksgiving night... It's Thursday night, and it's virtual Bible study night, and we are going to, Lord willing, have our regular show at the regular time. So after you've eaten the turkey, uh, sit in front of the computer and watch, and we'll try to keep it lively enough to keep you awake. You know, eating turkey that, makes that you sleepy. That tryptophan yeah. might not mix well with the virtual Bible yeah. study next week. But, but you, we'll, we'll try to keep it lively and keep it going. That's so. right. Nothing better to do after you've been thankful for your Thanksgiving dinner than to join us for period of Bible study next week. We hope you'll make plans to do that. Uh, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. We got a, a, an email from Danny in Greenville, Mississippi, who called us just a, a few minutes ago. He's got another thought. He sent it by email this time. Danny is using the technology tonight. Now, he's, if, if he's got the devil figured out, that the devil's going to use every avenue he can. And, and so, Danny is using every avenue he can tonight So he's, well. he's, he's on the ball here. He says, uh, here's another thought. Even though God says to do something, you really do not have to do it. In other words, devil, if devil can convince people of that, then he will succeed. And that sort of reminds me of the very first sin in the yeah, Garden sure. of Eden. Sure. You know, when, when Satan tempted Eve in the Garden of Eden and, and Eve understood what God had said, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden... God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, ye shall not surely die. He just he told her the exact opposite of what God said, and she believed him. Sure. And that's, and that's the idea I well, think of. One, taking his point one step farther, if I were the devil, I would try and convince people that they could figure out why God said to do something. Because a lot of people want to figure out why God said it so they can then figure out reasons why they don't have to do it. Exactly right. And the bottom line is, if God said it, you got to do it. It doesn't matter whether you understand why or, why or not. That's right. All right. Thank you, Danny. Thanks again, Danny, for another good email. All right. We've got several emails that are got coming in. several coming in here. I want to go back. I've had one on the screen here for a while from Don in Antioch, Tennessee. Don's one of our regular listeners. Don, thanks for being out there. Let me give you his thoughts, Jacob. He says, number one, create a holiday to celebrate the birth of Jesus, although there's no authorization for this in the Bible. So he's talking about Christmas. Uh, I, I, I want to broaden that thought that he says there. I don't think there's any uh, authority for religious observance of Christmas. And of course, most people who call themselves Christians do that. There's no authority for it. We've talked about that on the virtual Bible study, and we probably will do it again. <clears throat> but I would just, I would sort of broaden that, make a, a broader point of it. That is, convince people they can do lots of things that are not authorized in the Word of God. In the name of religion, do unauthorized things convince them it's okay convince them that's what they should do so if you can if you can if you can squelch 
the desire for Bible authority. If you can get people convinced that it is good and right and beneficial to do things without authority, you will succeed. The only authority is how it makes me feel. And if it makes me feel good and uplifted, then it must be okay. That's the way a lot of people function. He goes on to say, spruce up the wide gate and the broad way with worldly things disguised as Christian to lure people into the churches for the wrong reasons. Excellent. You know, the churches, we've talked about this on the virtual Bible study, people, uh, Jacob, people of churches are using carnal things to try and draw people and get numbers. And so I think that's the idea. He says, fill the pulpits with false teachers who are more motivated by popularity and money than saving souls. We've talked about false teachers. That's another good point. Number four, fill the Christian bookstores with so many different versions of the Bible that no one knows which one to read. Now, I don't know if I, I don't know exactly Don's view on that. I, I think they are, there are a number of reliable Bible translations. There are some that are no good at all, but but I, I but, am not of the view that there's just one and we all ought to be reading the King James Version. But the bookstores are full of of um, paraphrased. Yeah, and those are no good. Uh, illegitimate versions. Of and, and the bookstores are also full of the writings of sec, uninspired writings of, of, of secularists. And people are putting more confidence in them than they are in the Bible. So okay. that would be a point. And then finally, he says, uh, use all of the above to cause so much confusion that Christians can't get along with each other, prompting them to break up into hundreds of denominations. We've talked about division, certainly a successful tool of Satan. Oh, he's happy about that. Yeah, he loves it that way. So good points, Don. Appreciate it. Thank you, Don, for listening and for your comments tonight. We'll take a short break, and we'll get back to the comments that are in our inbox, and we hope there'll be more that are added during the break. And we hope to take your phone call after the break as well at 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. We'll take it to the top of the hour right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So if you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church, but you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more, there's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study. You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. My name is Steve Novorak, reminding you to listen to the Virtual Bible Study every Thursday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And welcome back to the program tonight. We'll look forward to talking with you if you'll give us a call at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. If you're just joining us, we're talking about how we would act, what we would do if we were the devil and we wanted to destroy the church. He does want to destroy the church. He's looking for ways to do it, and we're trying to figure out some of the avenues that he might use to attack so that we're prepared and we can be on guard against the devil's ways of trying to get the church to fail. 
Jacob, we've got an email from Indiana. And, and of course, the church is not going to fail. The gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. That, that's right. I mean, and, the, the, and, and God's word is not going to be destroyed. It, it, it will endure forever. But but the effectiveness of... He's trying to, he's trying to limit the effectiveness. That's right. He's doing all he can to keep sure. it down. Sure. Keep it beat down. I believe there will always be, there will always be true believers. The, the Lord's church will always exist. And uh, uh, But he's going to try to cause as much limiting and hindrance to that as possible the church will always exist but i may not always exist in the church right uh, we may we may uh we, we may personally succumb to the, the the devil's temptations and we need to be on guard against them exactly so this email from indiana says if i were the devil i would do the following the, i'm just going to read these all together because i think they sort of flow together uh, number one infiltrate a local church that is not strong become one of them and then slowly bring in my ideas and get a few followers that would grow quickly in time. Number two, make church entertaining for both young and old, instrumental music and movies and such. Number three, slightly change the wording of the Bible so that the uneducated, not strong in the in the word, would not notice the subtle changes being made in the verses. Number four, once I have hold of them, I can easily proceed to totally corrupt the Bible and their desire to learn the truth. Number five, success. I have them in my control, and they will not listen to opposing views as they are convinced that we are out to destroy them. And so sort of a process that this this listener describes. But notice he starts out by saying, infiltrate the local church that's not strong. This is the reason we've got to be strong, because if we're not strong, Satan's going to attack weakness. And if we're not strong, he will, he will find the weakness, and he will infiltrate at that point. Excellent comments. Uh, so, and then using carnal entertainment, he mentions... Uh, uh, this this point about changing the wording of the Bible, sort of like what Don said, you know, maybe with some of those that are not true translations, but maybe paraphrase, uh, get people to have confidence in things that are not accurate to the Word of God, uh, and so forth. So good good points. We appreciate that email from Indiana. All right, join in now. Time to take your comments on the phone or over email tonight. We look forward to hearing from you, uh, Jacob. We got one from Wade in uh, in uh, Hampshire, Tennessee. Go ahead and read that one. All right. Wade says that if he were the devil, he believes he would convince people like he did Eve that she could be like God. A lot of people desire that, though. They wouldn't come out and say it, but they do desire it. But they'd like to be able to be the ones to make up the rules. And they're practicing some of that in their lives and trying to impose that on the lives of others. And his second point is also what Satan tried to do with Eve, convince people that they can do what they want with no consequence. You know, she, she, as we read a minute ago, she said, God said, if we t- touch that tree, we'll die. They say, you won't die. There won't be any consequence to that. You know, so that's a, that's a powerful thing that, that really influences people toward doing evil is that you can do it and there's no price to pay for doing it. I think it's true. And Wade says that he were the devil, he would convince people that their worship to God should make them feel good instead of be pleasing to God. Yeah. What's the purpose? You know, our worship should make us feel good, but only as a, result of pleasing god only as a result of of coming to uh, a point of forgiveness for what we've done wrong if we're still in our wrongs we should if in other words if guilty people should feel bad guilty people who haven't had their guilt removed by the forgiveness offered through the blood of jesus christ should feel bad people who are in sin should feel bad that's the the word of god wants you to feel bad if you have not sought forgiveness in the lord yeah, but he, that's that's the teaching. The teaching should make you feel good if you've done what God says. But he's talking about the worship here. Yeah. The worship right. should make you feel good as a result of doing what God wants you to do in the worship. Well, I see what you're saying. He was, not, he, he was emphasizing the, the, the worship, worship aspect. Okay. Uh, and we don't come to worship 
looking for how can it make me feel good, and I'll do whatever it takes to make me feel good. We come to the worship saying, what does God want, and I'll do what he wants, and as a result of that, I'll feel good for yeah. doing it. and that's a theme we've talked about on the virtual Bible study. Who are we trying to please with our worship, ourselves or God? That's right. Good point. All right, and he says he'd convince people that there is no God. You know, that is that is working because in the world today, as we read statistics, we find more and more people. I mean, it used to be you wouldn't have found many at all who don't believe in God, but the percentages are increasing steadily of people who don't believe in God. And ironically, there are some people who claim to be Christian who are saying, I have my God, but you have yours. That You just find your path to God, whoever your God may be. There are some who... Wear the name Christian who are, are, are saying uh, foolishness like that. And uh, as I mean, really, you'd have to conclude they don't believe really that there is a God. Okay. And then finally, Wade says, convince people that God is a loving God, that he would never punish anyone. Uh, no, that, that works. That happens all the time. I've often said, Jacob, people who think that have not read the Old Testament story of Noah and the judgment that God sent in the great flood of Noah. God's a loving God. There's no doubt about that. He certainly has manifested his love to mankind, but he's also a God that sends punishment against those who do not obey him. He always has, and that nature of God has not changed, and so we need to realize that. All right. Thank you, Wade, for listening tonight and for your comments. Got an email. Here's another email from, from Hampshire, from the from the metropolis of Hampshire, Tennessee. Jacob. The only two Internet connections in Hampshire are yeah, listening to the yeah, virtual I believe Bible the only tonight. two people hooked up to the Internet All in right. Hampshire are, are listening tonight. We got one from Jack. Jack, we're glad you're out there. He says he would convince Christians that talking about their brothers and sisters when they're not present is not gossip. Think about that. That's an interesting point. Okay. You know, you know I'm talk, I, I tell you something on somebody, but... I sort of try to justify it by saying, you know, and I'm really concerned about him. So I tell you this this dirt on a brother, and but you know, I'm I'm really concerned about him, and I justify it in my mind by, but telling you didn't do anything to help him. Yeah. It was just because I wanted to tell you about it. It was gossip. Yeah. But but I, if if I can convince Christians that it's not gossip to do that sort of thing, then that will tear the church down. That's for sure. He goes on, he says he would convince Christians that preaching shouldn't make anyone feel bad about their decision. Now, here's the point I was making earlier. Okay, I got you now. Okay, here, I think that Jack's point goes along with my idea that people who are guilty should feel bad uh, if they have not sought forgiveness in Christ Jesus. And then finally, he says he would convince Christians that culture is our gauge for things like dress, marriage, women's roles, instead of using scripture. That, uh, just take, for instance, his point about marriage. Maybe back when Jesus lived, it was so that, you know, what God has joined together, let not man put us under Matthew 19, 6. But we live in a different time. Sure. And so our culture has changed. Frequent divorces and remarriages are common. That's our culture. We're just going to have to adjust to that. Along those lines, I would I would convince people, not necessarily that the, that the, the rules change, but that God gives us some leniency for the culture that we live in. Yeah, like God, like women's roles. Yeah, you know, God God's gonna God's gonna get, cut us some slack there because we're in, it's a difficult time for us. Yeah, you referenced Noah, and, and uh, that's an encouragement for us to consider. Noah had it worse than any of us have ever had it, and hopefully will ever have it. His family was the only ones interested in serving God. And do you think Noah tried to bend any of God's rules because it's just so difficult to be faithful to God in these times? 
Certainly not, and we can't either. All right. Good Good thoughts, Jack. Appreciate you listening in Hampshire, Tennessee. We got an email from Nathan in Hohenwald, Tennessee. Nathan, we're glad you're listening tonight. That may be true in Hohenwald as well. The only internet. he may be the only internet that connection. We only have one over there. Okay. No, Hohenwald's bigger. There's okay. more. There's All more right. than one in Hohenwald. Uh, but he says, here's if he was Satan, here's what he would use: persecution. Satan has often resorted to physical persecution. Uh, he references Revelation two verses nine and ten concerning the church at Smyrna, where Jesus said, "I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich, and I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan." Uh, indeed, he did so. That is, brought persecution against many churches in the first century. First Peter five verses eight and nine. How will we re- how we react will determine our future as a church when we face that persecution. So, number one, he'd use persecution. Number two, false teaching. Both Paul and Peter warned of the danger of error. Acts twenty twenty nine and thirty. Second Peter two verses one and two. He would use worldliness. Satan uses worldliness to destroy churches. For example, the church at Thyatira was threatened by the influence of Jezebel, Revelation 2.20. Immorality has made havoc of many churches today. Materialism has drawn many Christians away from their service to the Lord. Churches are hindered when their members are rendered fruitless by worldliness, Luke 8, verse 14. That's the parable of the sower again. Good point. Number four, he says indifference. We do not have to oppose the church to kill it. Just be slothful and indifferent. Amen. He uh, references Proverbs 18.9, Matthew 12, verse 30. And then he concludes by saying, May we each do our part in bolstering our defenses against the one who seeks to destroy us. As Paul wrote, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. Good points, Nathan. I think you're right on. Appreciate you listening. And And his passage there that he concludes with is uh, really a good way to sum up our discussion tonight. We're not ignorant of the the devil's devices. We have spent an hour talking about ways that we would use and ways that he is using now. Think about these. Everything we talked about are things that we know. We know he's doing this. All of our listeners have sent in all these good ideas. It's no mystery to us what he's doing. We know how he's doing. We don't see an attack from the devil that just shocks us. Wow, I can't believe he would do something like that. That's new. I never thought of that. I never thought he would bring false teachers into the church. No. We, we, I never we, thought he would try and cause there to be strife among members of the church. I never thought that he'd get Christians carried away with worldliness. That is a shock. No, none of it's a shock. We know that these are the things he does. We know how he works. We know his devices. we just got to set our defenses against them. And we do want to say thank you again to Terry Francis over in Collierville, Tennessee, for uh, giving us uh, the idea for our program tonight, letting us borrow it from him. Um, And we do think it was a good discussion, Dad, and we appreciate him for the idea. Exactly right. Well, thank you for the discussion tonight. Thank you for your time, Dad. Uh, uh, I enjoyed it, as always, on Thursday night. By the way, let me give you uh, what I think is going to be the topic for discussion next week. The Thanksgiving edition. The Thanksgiving of Virtual Bible Study. Uh, Turkey and dressing. Bible principles. To remember in tough economic times. Oh, boy. Bible principles for tough economic times. Think about the that. The stock market's going to go up for the next <laughs> week thanks to your announcement. As, 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 so everybody who's listening, as you think about that, think about some of the things that you would point out as things we need to remember from the Bible as we face uncertain economic times. All right. That'll be a great discussion, and we hope you'll make plans to join us. We hope you have benefited from our discussion tonight. Thank you for participating. Thank you for listening. We hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for the Thanksgiving edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. 
Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.